hello there. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. I'm here with my co-host, Indy. Hello. And I'm Samantha. And we are going to be talking about a holiday movie that I loved and Indy is still not quite sure about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't know what I think yet. No. Because last week, Samantha got me to watch this movie. She saw it for the first time and she said, it's amazing. You have to watch it. And you really sold it quite hard. I only just recently finished editing that last episode, and you love this movie. Yes. Well, I guess that's kind of the name of the podcast. That's the point of the podcast, yes. That's what we do. Should we just get right into it? This week we watched Holiday in the Wild, uh, which is a Netflix Christmas movie that came out this year, 2019. Um, it stars Rob Lowe and Kristen Davis. And uh... Sorry, is that Raw Blow? <laughs> Rob Lowe? That sounds that sounds like a terrible <laughs> porn star name. Rob Lowe. Oh, Rob Lowe from The Outsiders. Yes. Oh, he was like what seventeen in that. <laughs> and Kristen Davis. Right from Sex and Sex the City, City fame. Yeah. And what else? Nothing. <laughs> Some other things. I don't have anything else ready to go. Do you know who directed this? You have a big, like, booklet printed out there. I printed the Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. Let's not get too excited that's, about my That's prep. a lot, though. I have, um, like, one and a half pages of notes, which I don't understand what they mean. I just have written down seven minutes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> seven minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I know what it means. Um, so this was directed by Ernie Barbarash. Oh, Ernie Barber. <laughs> Do you know who that no, is? No, I have no oh, idea. Okay. Although, based on this movie, I assume it's someone like who's a factory director who just does like Hallmark movies and pumps them out. Yeah, probably. It was 86 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Was it too long for you? Well, should we get into the... Yes. So let's, let's ask the question. The question that everyone wants to know. Andy, did you love this? Your hair looks really good today. <laughs> Did I mention that? No, you did not. It looks lovely. Thank you. You're very talented, you know. (laughs) You're also a very good singer, which I don't think comes up very often. Okay, okay. You hated it. It's terrible. (laughs) This movie's so bad. Why would you make me watch this? What did I do to you that you would punish me like this? No. Oh, what a piece of garbage. That's 86 minutes too long. That's no. 86 minutes that I could have been doing something better. And you know what something better would have been? What? Anything. <laughs> this movie's terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. But also not sorry because this is a masterpiece. <laughs> so you've watched it twice now in the last week. Yes. Did it hold up? Because you said, I listened to that last episode and you doubled down. You were like, I love this movie. This movie is great. It's going to really surprise you. It did not. But is it as good as you thought it was that first time? Yes. What? Yeah. Why? I think you're taking it too seriously. No, I no, I I hate that argument. I've gotten that from so many people now from because they listen to this podcast when they go like, "Oh, well, you're just some like film student." It's like, "No, it's not because I'm educated that I don't like this, and it's not because I have like a film background. It's because I've seen movies before." You've seen movies before. If I can sit there and Say what's going to happen, but each line most of the time. 
that's not on me. That's not me being a snob. That's on them for being lazy and hacky. Well, at least my hair looks good. It really does. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about why I like this movie and why Indy didn't like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to be kind of going plot point by plot point, and uh, we're just going to... We're going to move through the movie kind of as you watched it. Um, but to start off, did you have a favorite part of the movie? Yes. Any part with the elephants. <laughs> Actually, my favorite part was there's an elephant that wears like a sweater. Yes. That's the best part of this movie. Yeah. That's saying something if that's your favorite part because there's elephants? not a lot of other redeeming stuff. No, the in elephants this. were really nice. They were. They were the um, best part. What was your least favorite part of this movie? And you can't say the whole thing. So this one thing will be nitpicky and based on like being a film person, the editing. (laughs) You did complain about the editing while we were watching it. Very rare that you notice the editing in a movie, but this is edited like a, like a music video. This is a, a romantic comedy. Yes. And why in a romantic comedy would the average shot length be like two and a half seconds? I don't know. It's so choppy and so fast. I know we've talked in the past about things like, oh, in the 70s, things were longer. Oh, Totoro lets things land. This is the exact antithesis of all of that. (laughs) Because a sentence isn't even finished yet. And bam, it's gone. It's going on to the next thing. We're in a different country now. If you watch it now, like after looking for it, each shot is so fast. It's edited like it was... um, like a Jason Statham action movie. Oh. And I don't know why why they would choose to do that. I think they're just hiding their own mistakes a lot of the time. Uh-huh. And it's also weird that this is a big budget movie because it looks great a lot of the time, but there's so many weird mistakes that you wouldn't see in something that's made by like an actual production company, which Netflix is now. So what kind of mistakes? There's a lot of ADR. ADR means uh, they recorded the dialogue much after the fact. So oh. you'll hear dialogue, and then you'll see the person, and their mouth doesn't move. Oh. That's so lazy. Like, how do you do that in a movie that's, I assume, had a decently big budget? They're, I also assume they're shooting on location. They have these big stars. They have big names, but they can't get the audio down. And then the lighting, too. Have you noticed in some scenes it looks like, what's her name? Charlotte. Kate. <laughs> Kate. Is like on a soundstage. She's clearly not because they were on location. Yeah. But the lighting is crazy different from one second to the next. It's very bizarre. I did not notice those. I noticed some of the some of the shots seemed a little like clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not notice that the dialogue didn't match up. Do you have a least favorite part? My least favorite part was probably the sun. He's bad. <laughs> When we were watching it, I leaned over and I said, is this the director's son or something? Because there's no reason this person should be in this movie. He would often start reacting to what a person said before they had said it. Yes, it's true. He uh, he overacted in a lot of scenes and he really uh, kind of reacted weirdly to things. I think he also played the piano without moving his hands. Yes, he was one of those piano players that didn't actually play piano. One of those telekinetic piano players. Yeah, which is a skill unto itself. Who is he and why is he in this movie? Oh, the person who plays the son is Rob Lowe's son. Oh, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense. And also called it 
<laughs> yeah, you really did. It makes a lot more sense of why he's not a very good actor. On the idea of me throwing things in your face and arguing with you more, I also listened to the last episode where I was guessing plot points, and you kept saying, no, that's not right, no, not really. I absolutely 100% got it. You were lying to me. <laughs> I just didn't want you to think you'd already seen the movie. But you were lying. You lied. <laughs> I said, oh, I bet it's a big town person, and then she falls in love, but she falls in love with something about the job, and then you're like, no, not really. That's exactly what this movie is. <laughs> You're just trying to trick me. I was trying to trick you. Don't. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really hard to be mean to you because you're wearing a uh, a cat Christmas sweater. Yeah. And you have a bunch of... Gingerbread houses yeah. and gingerbread men's. <laughs> gingerbread men's. Ginger people. Ginger people. No, that just sounds like a group of redheads. <laughs> gingerbread people. Gingerbread people. Let's let's kind of break down some of the plot here. Yes. The movie starts with them taking Christmas photos. So mm-hmm. Kate and her husband and her son. And then we find out that it is August. And her husband is really like a busy businessman. Do you know how I know that? Because they tell you <laughs> straightforward. And Kate is drowning in her suburban New York life. I think they're in Manhattan. Oh, okay. So it's kind of the opposite of suburban. In her non-suburban Manhattan life. (laughs) And she just wants more. You can tell it. She turns into a lady who lunches. Is this like a term? Yeah, ladies lunch. Oh, okay. It's a term. I've never heard that before. It's like... Rich wives who, like, their big outing of the day is going for lunch with their girlfriends. Is that what sex in the city is? No, because they all had jobs. But isn't just a lot of them having lunch? Some of it. Like 80%? No. <laughs> Are you lying again? No. I don't trust you on anything. If I guess something now, I just, now I'll just assume I'm right. <laughs> um, no, sex in the city, they have a lot of meals together, but there is a lot of other things happening in them. So she does all the really cute mom things, sending him off to college and measures him one more time. And he's got a little girlfriend and... Who we never see again, right? Uh, yeah, no. we. I think he mentions her once, but we don't ever actually see her again. This movie is full of things of like, who's that person? Doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so, Indy, what did you think of the family dynamic at the beginning? In about six seconds, they tell you exactly everything. Because she's like, hey, we have traditions here. And the husband's like, no, I'm busy. I have business because I'm a businessman. And she's like, family, family. And he's business, business. And I think that's I think that's a direct quote. No, it's not. I'm pretty sure it, it is. It is not. And then the son is like, I'm young. I'm going to college. And I think that's a direct quote as well. Then he leaves. And the moment he leaves... So the son walks out the door, then the husband goes, um, I'm not in love with you, you're not in love with me, this isn't working, okay, bye. And <laughs> yes. is out the door, their whole divorce or breakup or whatever you want to call it takes about 30 seconds. That's <laughs> not true. an exaggeration, no, I think that's it's accurate. it's very true, and she throws away his clothes and gets on the plane to Africa. Yeah, so she had bought a second honeymoon for them without telling him so he's a super busy guy which that's all we hear about because he can't he literally can't stand still for about eight seconds for a picture he has to take a call in the middle of that yes but she books him on a trip that would last 
at least a week, probably a couple of weeks from what it looks like, with two days notice. Yes. That, I guess we can't get bogged down and stuff no. like that. Because if we did that, we'll be here all day. And it's true. And I don't want to devote any more time to this movie than is necessary. Okay, you heard it here. It's going to be a quick one, guys. <laughs> so... So do you think that she's more empowered when she gets to Africa or like after her husband leaves her? Do you think she plays that well? I guess that's the story. She tells you she is. So yeah. she is. I think that's how you can tell anything happens in this movie is they tell you that it happened. They I, don't show you any. I like that. And I know that we're like completely disagreeing on whether or not we like this movie. I like it because it's like an easy watch. And, like, holiday, you might be doing something else while you're watching. And it's just nice and heartwarming. It's it's not heartwarming. I love, like, don't get me wrong. I love a good Christmas movie that can be, like, schmaltzy and a family goes through something and then they have the true, true meaning of Christmas and at the end they all sing around a Christmas tree. I love movies that do that. I love movies that do it well. But if in It's a Wonderful Life... He just said, at first, I was very sad with my lot in life, but now I realize there's more to it. And just told you that? That's not as good of a movie. No. Then why is it a movie? Because it's fun. But if you're just going to tell me stuff rather than show me. Yeah. Then send me a greeting card. Right? There's nothing that this movie does that you can't just tell someone about. You don't gain anything in this movie than you would from you explaining to me what happens. Mm-hmm. Because you can't explain a good movie because you're like, well, this happens, but going through the experience is what matters. In this one, the experience is them saying, her. Sh- at one point, they have to say like, oh, she's become part of this family now. How do we show that? Do we show it with characters gradually coming together and learning to work together? No. We have one of the characters say, you are part of this family now. They just say everything, and they don't devote any sort of time to allowing it to happen. It's an 86-minute movie. It feels fast, so that's one good thing, but it's fast because they cut out anything that makes a movie worthwhile watching. It's just plot point, plot point, plot point, the end. You get all the things you're going to expect. It doesn't like miss anything or mess around with the formula, but if that's all you're doing, then, then why? Why bother making this movie? I still enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) So I I get what you're saying and I understand, but I don't think that this was meant to be a movie that deviated too much from that Hallmark movie style. It doesn't need to deviate. It doesn't need to be innovative, but it needs to at least respect the intelligence of its audience enough to have, if it's just a love story, show them falling in love. Anytime there's something that requires a little bit of nuance or a little bit of writing, they just put a montage in. There's so many montages, and they just put the songs that exactly which song you'd think would be in this movie. They put that on, and that's a replacement for emotion. They just go like, oh, people know this song is shorthand for someone like coming to terms with something. So they just put that in rather than taking the time of showing a character changing. Mm-hmm. They just say, I'm changed now. And it's it's cheap, and I feel cheated. Okay, so let's skip forward to when we meet Rob Lowe's character. So he is supposed to be this, like, ill-mannered African country guy. But he's not 
ill-mannered. He comes off harsh in the first meeting. Yeah. Because she's on this honeymoon by herself in the wilds of Africa, but it's at like a five-star restaurant to start off. Yes. Also, in the last episode, I kept saying, oh, and they'll just refer to it as Africa. And you said they do not do that. They absolutely 100%. They talk about Zambia. They say Zambia twice. They say Africa 914 times. Remember the Christmas in Africa montage? Yes, I do. And I liked it. She's grumpy. He's grumpy. And she walks away and then gets up the next morning. And who's her pilot? It's Rob Lowe. I cannot remember his character's name. It doesn't matter. He's Rob Lowe. Derek. <laughs> his name is Derek. Um, so she gets on the plane and she's still very grumpy and kind of probably hurting from her divorce or soon to be divorced. And she, they have to emergency land the plane. And this is where... She becomes a nice person and he becomes a nice person. And yes. I like that because it wasn't just them falling in love. It was them, like, uniting and working together. That was a good part of it because when they're flying along, you get to see these shots of, I assume they actually shot it in Zambia. Yeah, I'm It not looks sure. like it, but they're, it's beautifully shot in a lot of ways like that. It's when they do some other things that it, it suffers a little bit. But the scenery and stuff is is nice to look at. It was filmed in South Africa. Yeah, which is next door. One thing from a production standpoint is that they actually increased the budget exponentially because they wanted to ensure that the elephants were going to be safe during filming. Oh, that's good. And that they were obeying all of the animal laws and that they were um, not doing dangerous things with the elephants. So they built a like electronic elephant. Oh, there was that one that I was... Not quite sure, like, because yeah. it clearly wasn't CG, but it looked a little kind of clunky. Off. Yeah. But that being said, I think it's very good animatronics. Yes. And they just wanted to make sure, like, when she wrestles him to the ground, or when Rob Lowe wrestles him to the ground and they cover his face with the thing so that he's calm, mm-hmm. they wanted to make sure that they weren't doing that with an actual elephant and possibly hurting it. Right. Um, so all of the shots of elephants just kind of doing elephant stuff are real elephants. But anytime she's super close to him or um, they're doing anything that's super invasive, it's the uh, electronic elephant, which I like. I, I think that's great that Netflix was really cognizant of the fact that there's they're living creatures and not just like Hollywood film fault for like... And don't tackle elephants. And don't tackle elephants. That's good advice. That's a life lesson for All everyone All year there. round. So they go and there's some poachers, so... They have to save this little baby elephant, and uh, Charlotte was a vet before she stopped working. Which so is what she we said, I'm going to help out. And Rob Lowe says, I didn't see that coming. And I, I loudly said to you, you're the only one, because it was very clear. Uh, that was also in the trailer, so we knew that going in. But um, then they ride to the elephant sanctuary, and she gets this tour of the entire camp and where they keep the little baby elephants, and she gets to help do some vet stuff, like putting a tape on an IV and holding a bag and opening up the flow of saline to rehydrate him. So she's vetting it up in Africa. 
And then after vetting it up, she decides that she's going to stay a while and not go on her five-star safari and help out at this elephant orphanage. Yeah, I think that's what they call it, is an elephant orphanage. And she goes and she brought a full-sized framed photo of her son. Do people still travel (laughs) with framed photos? Did they ever? Yeah. Remember the old lady in Titanic? Oh, yeah. So then there's... uh, the classic scene where she goes into the la- the wrong tent on the wrong end of the tents and sees Roblo with his shirt off coming out of the shower, which I think is something that has happened in every romantic comedy ever. And she finally finds the right tent and goes back. And then there's a montage of her settling into life at the Elephant Orphanage and working alongside all of the people who were already there. Um, And she really seems to settle into life. And that's what I like about this movie is that she doesn't have any overly rich Manhattan person moments where she's like grossed out by elephant poo or like worried about getting dirty or anything like that. Right, right. I think, yeah, that could have been a danger that they play it that way. But I think if they had done that, or at least shown that in not montage ways, I would feel closer to the character. Like, mm-hmm. I would know them, but we don't get that because things just go through montage. And also, it's a pretty sweet setup. Like, you can sleep next to an elephant, but you wake up looking great. Yeah. Well, that's the magic of Africa. I like when the elephant pulls the blanket off of her. I like when Rob Lowe says, in complete earnestness, Elephants can read your soul. And that's a real line. And so she seems to heal herself a little bit emotionally. And she really hits her stride. And then it's almost time to go home for her. For the first of three times where she tries to go home. And she just can't do it. She just can't leave. So she continues living amongst the elephants and um she has her favorite elephant the one that they rescued nanu who was super manu manu so they have a big camp that has like infrastructure and everything and i assume running water but we don't get to see that but if you walk away from the camp just into the wilderness there's a sign that says wi-fi and you can get wi-fi just in the wilds of africa Movie magic. But either way, she goes to the Wi-Fi hotspot and talks to her son who's in college. And it is, it's college. He's just screaming college because he's just in a computer lab slash classroom. And there's people like playing football because that's what college life is. From the beginning, when we see him in his dorm room, he does not look like he likes college. But she tells him nothing about what she's doing no it's not until like the second or the third time that they talk on the phone then she says well i kind of detoured away from our safari yeah. by the way i'm living with elephants now you think you'd mention that that's like the coolest thing that she could be doing so can we talk about derek's south african girlfriend i guess i don't get it i feel like that was something that was a subplot and then they just cut all her scenes because it doesn't make any sense as it is right now yeah they don't really tell you enough about it. But there has to be someone who's, you know, throws a wrench in the plans. Yes. So she shows up twice during the movie, and she's really rude to Kate all the time. 
And to Derek, she's very bossy and kind of grumpy. But is she? The first time all we see is she comes into his tent and is kind of like upset that there's another woman in there. Which if they have something going, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then later, we're jumping to the end now. Derek paints a picture of, I don't know, a 12-year-old girl, but it turns out it's supposed to be Kate. <laughs> it's a terrible painting. I think the sketch was better, but that painting that she gets in New York oh, at the, the end she sees the sketch. That's does right. not look like her right. at all. She, was, she sees the sketch and says, oh, you're in love with somebody else, so I am taking all the funding away and all these elephants will die now. And that was a jump that came out of nowhere. True. It seems like an overreaction. There should have been at least one more scene with her in it where she gets grumpy or angry or whatever. And and you'd think if your life was elephant charity, you wouldn't be so quick to just say like, well, I'm going to kill all these elephants if you're not going to bang me right now. <laughs> Which is pretty much what happened. And that's, that's extortion? Is that extortion? Uh, no. What am I thinking of? I don't know what that is. It's not is it like nice. Blackmail? Sexual blackmail? Yeah. Elephant blackmail. Um, she does seem to pull that kind of out of nowhere. Um, and all of a sudden she's like very upset and threatening to kill all these elephants, which I feel like if you've even seen an elephant, you wouldn't want to happen because Elephants are pretty cute. But everything is just out of nowhere. It's just like they say, oh, we're going to go for a picnic now. And they're driving his truck through the savannah or what have you. And she looks, oh, there's a bunch of paintings in here. Where are those from? Oh, you drew them? You're a painter? Like, why does he have them in the back of a truck? It's just so they could talk about it at that moment. There's no other reason for any of these things to happen except to, like, get this plot to the next point. But through all this, he's proven himself to just be a good guy mm -hmm. and is doing charitable work. And she still is like, oh, you're the worst. What did he do? She's very, like, judgy and rude to him while really she's just a tourist in his life. Like, he lives this life. You've come in and been here for, like, two weeks and you're super judgmental about this guy who's, like, kind of devoted his life to the welfare of elephants. I think she's nicer to him than you're giving her credit for she's kind of a dick until we until later on when they really start like falling in love and then things turn i don't know why they turn at one point because there's no real do they get closer like they get closer but we don't really have a lot of at one point an elephant is in danger and then they go off to spend the night in a jeep for an inexplicable reason and then that makes them closer yes they stay overnight and they share in a scary experience and that makes them closer and more in love that or when she makes gourmet pizzas with like goat cheese and fennel and <laughs> what do you put on arugula arugula i don't know where she got all that but no no she makes that for everyone and then they all love her so this movie started in august but now we are Eventually, we get to Christmas, and it's Christmas in Africa, which they say many, many times. And at this animal orphanage that's way out away from all civilization that you need to take a plane to, they also have a lot of Christmas decorations. Yeah, someone must have brought a huge box. Several, several boxes. Several. Because you see people walking around with several, several boxes. Yes, true. So this entire place is completely decorated for Christmas. 
And at this point, she also gets an espresso machine shipped over. Can you Amazon to an elephant orphanage? Clearly you can. That's where they get all their Christmas trees. You know that from the uh, from the plot? <laughs> There's nothing I know from the plot. It doesn't, <laughs> nothing is explained in this movie, how anyone gets anywhere. So it's just like, yeah, they, they happen to have all of this. So Kate gets served with divorce papers on Christmas or around Christmas. And she's sad and she goes for a walk and she's kind of just feeling the feelings that come with that, I assume. And then Roblo goes to pick up a VIP passenger. And we don't know who it is until it's her son. And it's very exciting and heartwarming because he, she doesn't have any family there. And she gets to spend Christmas with her son, who was going to stay at school. Did you find that heartwarming? Her and her son being reunited? Yeah. Because her son seems like he didn't. He didn't find it heartwarming? very stoic through all of this. Or just kind of like, hey, hey, mom, how's it going? So I think maybe that's part of the reason when I didn't feel like it was a big deal that they they got to see each other on Christmas. Because the son didn't seem too into it. And the mom never really, like, expressed a lot of interest in the son she would just say like oh how's how are things going they didn't really communicate in any meaningful way until the son tells her he's not going back to school i think that during the time that the son's in africa which i think is only like two or three days i think it's tough to tell in this movie it's hard to tell time because you don't always get to see every every single night because i think at one point it just says like three months later yes so you can't really tell the passage of time in this movie, which is, I don't know if it helps you kind of lose yourself in the movie or just kind of makes you annoyed like Andy. Well, that didn't bother me because there were so many like worse things going on. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain. Like, So you're very passionate about cheerleading. Mm-hmm. In a cheerleading, do you call it a routine? Are there, there are certain elements that you must have, correct? Yes. So what are, like, three elements? Um, you have to have a dance, you have to have a pyramid section, and you have to have, like, a cheer. Okay. So you have your dance, your pyramid, and your cheer. Yeah. So if you saw a professional team, yeah, professionals who are getting paid to do this, this thing that you love, they're getting paid to do it, and then they go out... And they all just kind of look at each other and they go, okay, let's do the pyramid now. And they all just get into a pyramid. There's no music or anything. (laughs) Then they get out of it and they go, okay, we're going to do our cheer now. And they announce it. We're going to do our cheer. This is how the cheer goes. And then they do the cheer. And then what was the third thing he said? Dance. And then they said, we're now doing our dance portion. And then they all just got off to their sides and then they did the dance. Would you feel like you're kind of missing something? Like it has all of those things. So you're like, yeah, this is, I guess, what we're looking for. But what separates someone from being just completely tactical about it and getting these parts out and someone who, a team who could transition through those things, like, yeah, they have the same elements, but Mm -hmm. what separates them from the next level is someone who can transition through it and do it with a certain amount of artistry and passion. Right. I don't get any of that in this movie. It feels to me like this is a movie made by not necessarily the actors or even the director, but 
produced and written by someone who clearly just doesn't care. I can appreciate a bad, bad movie when someone tries and fails, or like a good, bad movie, like how I love Mac and Me. It's it's trying something ridiculous, it's failing all over the place, and I applaud their efforts, and it's fun to watch. And of course, I love like a good, good movie, like The Shining, where they they were so exacting about each thing, and they really nailed a lot of it. But this seems to be like a good, bad movie, where it has good production value, their stars are good, the acting is fine, it's well put together, but it just, you feel so empty because I just feel like they don't care. If they cared, they would do a little bit more. If they cared, it wouldn't be 86 minutes. If they cared, we would have a backstory about these characters that would just come and go like, I'm a bad guy now, all these elephants are dying, bye. It just, it seems like they they didn't care. I I can understand where you're coming from with that. And I think I agree with you that it would be a way, way better, probably longer movie too, if they had put a little bit of that extra like transition and backstory into it. I don't think that makes it a horrible movie just because that wasn't in there. No, and it's not horrible in the sense like this is a one out of ten movie. It's horrible in the sense that this is a five out of ten right middle of the road movie. And that's like more offensive to me than a truly, truly bad movie. Cause it's it feels like no one's trying anything. Just just try. Put a little effort in. I just feel like we could write a better script. Wanna write a better script? Okay, we'll write a better Christmas movie. Okay, here we go. So um <laughs> oh, we're doing it now. Yeah. Okay. It's um cold and New York and there has to be like a really busy person. So she, what's her job? She works, how oh, she works for a publisher. Okay. She's an editor. Because okay. it has to be something like not exciting. So she edits novels. Like not fulfilling. Yes. Yeah. But she wants to be a writer because she's not fulfilled. Right. So okay. she's an editor. She's worked too much. Um, her boss is played by Candace Bergen is really yelling at her. But then she has to go to, um, where do they go in a lot of these movies? Small town, upstate New York. So she has to go to small town, upstate New York, because there's a reclusive writer, and he has a new novel right. that's coming out. Oh, I, I think I think we're almost there. So he has this new novel coming out, and he's real reclusive. And Does she, she has to, to go get the manuscript. She has to get the manuscript because he is like so old school. He he's on a typewriter in his cabin all the time. Oh my god. He's um he's a real grump, but he is a brilliant writer. So she goes up there, and uh, they get snowed in. So she just wants to get in and get out of there, but then he's like, fine, well, I guess you're just going to have to stay here. And so she stays. Is this Beauty and the Beast? Oh, a little bit. <laughs> That's a good movie. I'd rather rip off Beauty and the Beast. That's pretty okay. good. Um, so then she has to stay there, and he's being kind of elusive, but it's also he's not done. He hasn't finished writing it yet. Oh. So then... Um, she has to stay and kind of uh, like encourage him, but at first very just professionally to finish this novel. But then they go into town and they're having their um, winter festival. So they so go winter festival. They go to that, and then like she sees him with the townspeople, and um, he's lets his guard down with them because he's been living there. And she, he's resistant to her because she represents that that big city lifestyle that he left behind. Oh, because maybe his wife 
was from Manhattan, and then they had this terrible divorce, so he associates that with something bad. I watched another movie with that plot point, but yeah. Yeah, well, I've watched, <laughs> another, like, 18 movies with Holiday in the Wild's plot point. But I'm saying we can do better. And I think I think this movie, I think this is just as good. Oh, and then he discovers that she had written this manuscript. And he reads it, and he thinks it's brilliant. So he lets her know, like, no, this is great. This is brilliant. And, oh, I, I have the ending all worked out. Oh, my God, you're so excited right <laughs> so now. So then... He agrees, like, he's not going to let her see his manuscript. He's like, no, I, I'm i just not ready for that. It's personal, whatever. But they've been getting closer and closer this whole time. And I guess by this point, we would have had a kiss probably at the, the Winter Festival. Of course. And they, like, um, they tap trees and get maple syrup and stuff like that. But then, so... Is there maple trees in New York? Mm, maybe. Okay. We're going to say for the... It's not far from maple trees. I guess. Okay. Maybe Vermont definitely has flew one in. Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, And then, so it's uh, Christmas Eve now, and they have to... He says, like, I'm not going to give you this manuscript. I'll come with you to New York. We'll give it to Candice Bergen together. And they both go in, but he switches it and gives her manuscript to Candice Bergen. So then she gets like back to him. she's the only person cast in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, Jennifer Aniston and uh, who's some dude? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. No, no, it can't be Paul Rudd. Yeah. Because he's not like, he's not a funny guy. No, Paul Rudd is a funny guy. I don't want this guy to be a funny guy. Oh, you guy. want him to be a grump? Yeah, he's a real um, grumble. It's John Hamm. Sure, John Hamm. You've I've been just watching been watching a lot Mad of Mad Men. <laughs> I just started watching that show. So he gives um, Jennifer Aniston's manuscript to Candace Bergen and th- uh, playing it as his own. And Candace Bergen loves it and says, like, you know what? You've done it again. We're going to sell millions of these. And then I guess um, Jennifer Aniston and uh, John Hamm would have had an argument because he won't give her the manuscript. So she gets angry and goes off to her best friend's place. And she won't hand in her manuscript to her publisher. No, because she's like, no, that was a lifetime ago. I don't do that kind of thing anymore. Yeah. I'm an editor now. Uh, so, so they're not both Paul mad Redden. about the same thing. Yeah, John Hamm takes it, hands it in, and Candace Bergen loves it and says that we're going to make a million bucks. And then she goes, well, actually, this belonged to Jennifer Aniston. So then they let Jennifer Aniston know. And uh, it turns out John Hamm did believe in her this whole time. So then they fall in love. Well, they were already in love, but then they reconcile. Do you think they kiss in Times Square? Yeah, of course they do. Because there's so many publishing offices in Times Square. Yeah, that's where they have them. They rush down to the street and kiss in the middle of Times Square. Yeah. Okay. The end. The end. That was a good movie. Is that worse than Holiday in the Wild? No. That's the amount of effort I feel like they put into it. The amount we just did right here in making this movie. Do we have to do anything else to it? Isn't that all the effort you need to do? (laughs) No, it's not. It's not all the effort you need to do. You need to do more. You need... And I know, like, clearly our audience is on your side because they've told us many times that they're on your side and that I'm wrong. But... I just want to let you Thank all you know. Thank you to my supporters. Yeah. I'm, I know, I'm the villain, I'm the bad one, but <laughs> I'm not... the bad one. Oh, I am. But it's not like, hey, I'm better than this. It's like, hey, we should all demand better than this. Wouldn't this movie be better with just, like, small little tweaks? Yes. It's not like it has to be a completely innovative reinvent the romantic comedy. Maybe put in some comedy. 
because there aren't jokes in it. I guess you don't if you don't want it to be a romantic comedy, don't. But I just know that I've seen movies. Of course, they're a lot older, but like imagine Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's already better. <laughs> but then would they still rely on these same contrivances as much? I just can't see those people. I don't want to say stooping to this level because they're like, what's his name? Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe and uh, Kate there. They're doing fine work. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. And this is, I think, a, like a real passion project for the for Kate because she's like real into elephants. Yeah, probably. So it's like they're doing good stuff here. And I don't want to like shit all over it, but it's not a good movie. It's just not. And I'm sad now. You're sad about? I'm sad about it. I'm sorry for making you so sad. Because so many people are going to watch this movie and be like, yep, that's that's what we need. And then that's just going to make more movies like this get made. It's a vicious cycle. It is. I still like it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well. Okay. I'm, you um, you continue on with your plot. I had my, my big rant <laughs> when I wrote a movie in the middle. So the only other thing I want to talk about is when she goes back to New York and is living her life again and trying to get back into the swing of things in New York and not being with elephants. So she goes to get a job Mm -hmm. and she says she misses working. She goes to be a vet and the vet's like, oh, you haven't practiced in a while. And she's like, yeah, but I know how to work on elephants and baboons. And so the vet is like, oh, can you start today? Like, that's not a good job interview. And also, if you didn't know her job was going to be unfulfilling and, like, really boring, you can just tell by the office. It's all just, like, books and a stodgy old man and everything like that. And then she finds a diamond in a puppy's paw. Oh, yes. That's fancy. Because it it reinforces, like, these people, look how frivolous New York life is. Because this woman keeps bringing her her, uh, puppy in for toenail trimmings. And it just has diamonds all over it. (laughs) She finds out that Derek has lost the funding for the Elephant Sanctuary, and she starts fundraising on their behalf with all of her rich friends, and I think that is heartwarming. Yeah, like, the charitable stuff, it's good. Like, I'm not going to say charity is bad. I still think it was gone about in a very clunky way, because she just hears, like, oh, wait, you don't have any money? Five minutes, please. And then there's a montage of just her getting checks. Yeah. And I know I've been forbidden from saying the words white savior on no, this podcast because I leave it too much. I was but... waiting for it actually, but So um she helps out a lot is what I'll say. You've already said the thing you're not supposed to say on this podcast. <laughs> well, if they'd stop doing it, I wouldn't have to say it. <laughs> um and then she f- sells all of her stuff and flies back to that fancy resort. Mm-hmm. And Derek comes and flies in to get whoever this VIP passenger is, and it's her. Oh. And they, assuming, have a wonderful night at the five-star hotel and then fly to the elephant orphanage. And then the next scene that we see is after their wedding, and she's writing a thank you email to her son for being there. And then they have to leave Manu and let him go with his family. And that made me cry. Was she writing? Oh, yeah, that was sad when Manu leaves. He's my favorite character in this movie. He has the most backstory and development. He does have the most backstory and development. That's not a joke. He really does. 
when she's writing that letter to her son, is she thanking him for coming to their wedding? Yes. They got married, right? Yeah. And... It meant so much to you to have us as part of our big day. Right. Because if you missed it in the montage, she tells you what happened in the montage again. You don't see them get married. Don't you? Isn't there a shot of no. the... There's photos. You see photos of them getting married. Oh, okay. That's it. It's like three months later, and then you see them in a photo in what looks like a wedding dress. Right. And they seem to be in some kind of house. Because why would you want to show a wedding at the end of a romantic movie? Yeah, God. No, just show it. Why why would you cut that out? (laughs) You have all this business with the son visiting, which just cut all that and dedicate the time to the romance. Um, Is this about the romance and the elephants? Yeah. Which we don't get to see nearly enough of either of them. No, it's true. We do see quite a few elephants, but there could be more. We get to see elephants, but we don't get to see... We get that little bit at the beginning about, oh, there's poachers, but we don't get to see how this organization really works. Yeah. And I think because this is something which is trying to like be real based in the in the real world and trying to get some attention to this problem, yes. show us that. Yeah, true. I would have loved to have seen more of the, the animal hospital and like how that instead works. Instead of the elephants going missing, it should have been poachers trying to steal elephants. Sure, or maybe there's an elephant that gets injured and we get to see these people actually doing their work. Yeah. Because we don't get that. We see them feeding and measuring. Yeah, <laughs> feeding and measuring. They they do feed and measure, that's true. <laughs> I just like how warm and happy it was at the end. When Manny goes out into the wild and you see him walk off with his new family and then they go home to their African hut and are married. <laughs> Yeah. I like the Manu part. That's right. The the elephant was very good. (laughs) I enjoyed him a lot. Okay. Well, I mean, I know I'm not going to convince you to like this movie. (laughs) Well, wait, wait. Sorry. When... I I don't know why I was going to say Paul Rudd. I guess we were talking about We were talking about Paul Rudd because I wanted to cast him in our movie. When Rob Lowe sends Manu off, do you remember what he says? Go make something of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He earnestly tells an elephant. Go make something of yourself. He wasn't angry when he said no, it. No, but he was like, like passionate. He was passionate. He's serious. He said, "Go make something of yourself, buddy." <laughs> no, it wasn't a buddy. It was. It was serious. He he meant it, and that is bizarre that he told an elephant to go make something of himself. I think it's sweet. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I think this elephant became their child, and they were sending him off to college. I would have loved to have seen more of the elephant two of college? them. Oh, yes. <laughs> as a spinoff movie, yeah, I want to see Elephant, elephant College. Elephant yeah. But as the two of them bringing up this elephant, that would have been great. Yeah, more scenes that. More of the two of them falling in love. That would be great. So you wanted a montage of them falling in no, love. No, not a montage. <laughs> what you're saying is you wanted more montages. No, I want to see them less talking plot. and learning about each other and growing to love one another. Okay. And I don't think that's asking too much of a romantic movie. No, you're right. It's not like, oh, I don't like romantic movies. They're boring. Just show me the romance then. Whatever you're claiming this movie is about, if it's about elephants and this romance between the two of them, show me that. True. There should be no reason that this whole movie, which takes place in an elephant orphanage, you don't really know how things work. They should they should show that. They should show how they fall in love. Those things matter. Not just her calling someone from New York and then they can be like, oh, the hustle and bustle down here. Christmas in Africa? That's crazy. You don't need that. You need to have human relationships. 
or animal relationships. Oh, elephant College. Yeah, Elephant College. That would be a better movie. I'd watch that. With just some elephants, like, growing it up in a dorm room? Well, I, I assume, like, Manu goes, but since he's a bit of an outcast, he's not in, like, the popular frat. Mm. He's in, oh, we just call it Elef- um, Animal House 2, Elephant College. Oh, my goodness! So it's Animal House, but um, but with elephants. Okay, well, we've now written two movies during the course of this podcast. Both so. of which are better than Holiday in the Wild. Says you. Yes, says me. <laughs> well... Would you recommend this movie to people? No, dear God, no. <laughs> um, there are so many good romantic comedies. There are so many good heartfelt Christmas movies. Go find one of them. Okay. Like, maybe you guys, you watch it. You tell me. Maybe I'm the one that is very wrong on this, which it happens more often than not that it turns out I'm the wrong one. But I gotta say, this movie was was pretty weak. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's weak. weak. Okay. It doesn't try anything, and I... So I guess it can't fail. If you don't try anything, you can't fail, and that's where this movie is. So, like, inspirational quote on a classroom of you. They need a few inspirational quotes. This writer, or probably team of writers... Uh, It was a husband and wife. (laughs) Or writing factory, or... Scriptomatic 3000 that produced this. Neil and Tippy Dubrovsky. Oh, Tippy Dubrovsky. That's a pretty quality name. That is a pretty quality name. Neil, not so much. <laughs> Better than Derek. No, it's not as good as Derek. No, Derek Dubrovsky? No, Derek is Rob's low character. I don't think his last name's Dubrovsky. Well, I mean, it might be. The, the like alliteration names are always really good. When we were talking about it, and you said, like, well, you kind of get the story, but there's this really important key thing that they might talk about in the trailer. And then we watch the trailer, and you're like, oh, no, they didn't say it in the trailer. So there's this one really important element that separates this from all the other movies. I've watched this movie now. What was that element? Because I do not know. I think I was talking about how um, she saves the elephant orphanage, but you don't like... Oh, the money was the important element. No, no, no. Just that she, like, used her former life to the elephant's advantage and ended up being able to use that life that she didn't um, like or um, feel like she was doing anything, you know, useful with Mm -hmm. and was able to do something useful and save the elephants. Oh, that's good. That made me feel good. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get an argument from me that saving elephants is good. (laughs) I think all the elements... No, you mean bad. Right. You said saving elephants is good, and you're not going to hear that from me. Right, right, right. Sorry. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to argue, like, hey, these people shouldn't fall in love. They shouldn't save elephants. I'm just saying, just because the movie is about something good doesn't make the movie good. So her saving the elephants was what was very um, heartwarming and wasn't in the trailer and was what really like kind of brought the movie home for me so do you have any last thoughts on the movie andy no i think i've complained for long enough okay well um i should mention what beer i'm drinking tonight i'm drinking a beer from analog brewing called loot box hops it's a rotational hopped west coast ipa and this beer is kind of neat because they uh print the label so that they can print whatever hops they've used to brew this beer that round 
and um, that it changes every time you have it. So uh, they are a local Edmonton brewery, and we like them a lot. Yeah, they have a really cool brewery with um, old-timey arcade machines. Yes, and all of their... Uh, beer labels are kind of video game themed. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you can get some analog brewing beer in your life, you should. Okay, well, if you want to uh, tell us what you thought of Holiday in the Wild, because we know you watched it, uh, you can tweet us your short thoughts at ILTYS and the number two. You can find us on Instagram at that same address and uh you can email us your long form answers to this movie um and reviews at i love this you should and the number two at gmail.com and you can find us on facebook at i love this you should two dash podcast i want to hear what you thought are you team indy or team sam (laughs) And I hope that you have a nice week of what I'm assuming is going to be Christmas parties nonstop and that you are wearing delightful Christmas sweaters like we are and uh, that you have enough Christmas cookies to make you happy. And we should mention also next week you'll get two episodes from us. So there is going to be one coming out before I introduce my pick to Samantha and that one is our Christmas bonus episode on the movie that everyone loves. For some reason. Love, actually. Yes. And you know how um, I just complain about movies and then uh, Sam says, no, they're great and you're the worst. Or you should. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that. <laughs> that's that's our audience says that I'm the right, worst. Right, okay. Uh, this one we both agree on, actually, with we Love Actually. We don't like this movie. And no, it's terrible. don't understand why everyone likes it. Yeah. So we are going to watch it again for the podcast. And uh, we will do a breakdown of what we think um, is wrong with this movie, if there's any saving graces in it, and uh, try to explain to ourselves and to you, uh, why you shouldn't like it. Yeah, now you're coming over to my side. (laughs) Um, There's some movies that we overlap on and dislike, and uh, this is definitely one of them. And this is one that everyone seems to mention around the holidays. So I think uh, it's a good time to watch it and try and figure out what all the hype is about. Yeah, so watch Love Actually if you haven't seen it, but... Seems like everyone's seen it so many times. I think everybody's seen it. A couple days later, we'll be releasing the pre-episode for your Christmas pick. Yes, which I'm very excited to have you watch. Okay. Do you have any inklings where it could go? What type of movie? Is it Nightmare Before Christmas? No, you've seen that one, though. I have seen that one. Um, Is it a depressing movie? Oh, quite possible. Is it Rare Exports? Maybe. Is that that's a movie, right? That is a okay. movie. <laughs> um, I kept coming up with non-Christmas movie names in my head that were just like if you typed in Christmas movie titles into like Google, it would just come up with like really bad ones. Like what? Like Holiday on Your Street. <laughs> holiday on Your Street. That sounds that sounds better and more relatable than Holiday in the Wild. And Christmas in the Big City. <laughs> Isn't that a movie that you love? No. It sounds like a Hallmark movie. Yeah, it does. I just thought it sounded like a bot coming up with Christmas titles. Unlike Holiday in the Wild, which is... Totally original. Very. 
Okay, well, we will see you later this week for our bonus episode, and then we will see you again after the weekend for Indy's pre-episode. See you later. Bye. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs>